Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hoth. And each week on The Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Lex Gillette. Lex is the best totally blind long and triple jumper in the history of the US Paralympic movement. He is the current world record holder in the long jump, a four-time Paralympic medalist and a three-time long jump world champion and an 18-time national champion. He is the only totally blind athlete to ever eclipse the 22-foot barrier in the long jump. If you think that any of this came easy, you should think again. Many of his fellow eight-year-olds seen riding bicycles, shooting baskets, or frolicking on nearby playgrounds. But Lex was dealing with a far more challenging opponent. His sight began to slowly fade entirely due to recurring retina detachments. Ten operations failed to stabilize what little sight he had left. After the final surgery, Lex's mother had the difficult task of telling her son he would likely never see again. As painful as this was, she vowed to teach Lex everything he would need to know to be successful in life. Her hard work and love were the foundations for what's for Lex's accomplishments. At the age of 19, Lex won his first Paralympic silver medal in the long jump. His achievement at the 2004 Paralympics in Athens were the culmination of years of hard work and training. Since that time, Lex has solidified himself as a tenacious competitor for Team USA. Each of his athletic performances since that time have resulted in medals, with the most recent being gold in the long jump at the 2017 Para-Athletic World Championships. Lex now has his sights set on 2021 Paralympic <laughs> Games and is currently training and competing to make his fifth consecutive US Paralympic team. There is one goal, and that is to win gold for the United States. And as an athlete, motivational speaker, and singer-songwriter, Lex epitomizes the phrase, no need for sight when you have a vision. So welcome onto the show, Lex. Man, I appreciate that, James. That was that was a nice little introduction. I need to get that updated. Actually, my last World Championships goal was 2019 in Dubai. Well, that, that gives you something to work on, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's only two things: the current <laughs> World Championships, and obviously Tokyo being yeah. not this year, but next year. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, you sure. didn't you didn't foresee you didn't foresee that happening. Definitely not. Well, I don't think any athlete did. Nah. On that matter. But be, be it, Lex, straight off the bat, obviously, if people haven't seen visually impaired long jump, what would you say to them? I would say that it is, if I were the person looking at it, I would say, ooh, ooh that is, that's, that's some wild stuff. 
you have a you have the athlete who is blind and when we compete in our category as an 11 t11 or f11 athlete means that you have light perception little to no sight at all but they still make us wear a a blindfold when we compete so i actually you know i have it right here sitting on my desk the one that i compete in and as an athlete, you, you wear the blindfold. This makes sure that it removes all of your, all of your sight. And, uh, and you have a guide who you work with. And your guide, they have to remain stationary. So the difference with, with the sprinting events, you can have your guide running directly beside you, giving you the verbal communication, and you're connected by a tether. But when you compete in the long jump, your guide cannot be connected with you. They can't run with you, which means that more times than none, your guide is standing at the takeoff board or the takeoff point and they're clapping and yelling, giving you that audible reference so you know where to run. And my guy, he yells, fly, 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 fly. I listen to where he is, know which direction to run. And from there, I'm counting my strides in my head. And once I get to my 16th stride, that is when I, I jump, take off, and, and land in the sand. So it takes a lot of uh, it's a lot of teamwork, a lot of a lot of trust, a lot of communication, and you would expect too that your your guide needs to be really loud because um, when you're 115 plus feet, you know, 34, 35 meters away from them inside of a huge stadium, there could uh, you got to be loud so that so that you can hear. Given the fact the crowd may be talking or the PA announcer may be, may be uh, talking as well. So I think, I think from an athlete to athlete, Lex, I think I, I commend you guys a lot because it's, because I've seen when it go, when it goes wrong and, the, and yeah. obviously the athlete jumping out of the sand pit and landing back yeah. on, on, on the, uh, the, the surface, the other end. So I think you guys have an enormous amount of faith in another individual to, for, to make yeah. you land on a, uh, a more uh, comfortable surface, be it the sand. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, it's it's happened to me once. It's happened to me on on one of the bigger stages in 2015 when we were in Qatar, and I ran, jumped, and landed on the the outside of the sand pit, which is the the, the track itself. It's hard. It's um, and in a lot of ways, the the edge around the pit itself. On, on a lot of the long jump pits is kind of like concrete, if you will. And, and so you land on that. It does not feel good at all. But um, I think that myself and, and all of the athletes who do it understand that when you get out there, there's a possibility, possibility that something like that may happen. And um, I know me personally, I don't, it doesn't, scare me it doesn't make me want to try something different it's, it's a challenge and it's one that that I take on every every single time that I'm out there but that feeling that I get when I run jump and land in the sand when I soar through the air that is a, a feeling that I love and um, you know it brings so much so much joy to me so obviously going back to the early days of, of your life Lex how much of an influence and a role model has your mother been on, on your athletic career? Um, she definitely, I, I wouldn't say she didn't have any. I, I think that she was definitely a, a huge 
proponent to you know, getting me outside and, and finding resources for me so that I could still participate in in adaptive sports and rec. And prior to me losing my sight, we used to, she used to take me to the park and we used to go outside and play and, and play catch. We used to ride bicycles. I did a lot of things with my mom and um, I used to play recreation, recreational baseball when I could see at the time. And then I also, I was swimming, not competitively, but my mom, she found me some uh, swimming lessons. And, and so I was able to, to swim and play around water. Um, after I lost my sight, that was when she found a lot of other outlets for me. I eventually learned about beat baseball and goal ball. And when I was in, in high school, I began to wrestle. So my freshman and sophomore year, I was on the wrestling team. And, um, and eventually I found track and field and specifically Paralympic track and field when I was in high school. So I think that, that the foundation that my mom established for me is what most certainly helped me catapult into the, uh, the, the track and field world for sure. So what turned you away from goal ball then? <laughs> Man, you know what? I, I, I was a pretty decent goal ball player and I played on a high school team. We, we went to the nationals my junior and senior year. We got second my junior year and we ended up winning the, the youth championships in uh, my senior year. So I was, um, I, I was pretty decent. I was good. I got invited to a, a camp for the uh, the national team, so the what I would call the, the major leagues, the big leagues. And once I got there, it's a whole nother ball game. These guys are 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 tossing this ball so fast, and you, you literally have to be on your p's and q's. And for me, I'm I'm six one, a hundred and seventy pounds. And that's when I'm in the weight room. If I'm not not lifting weights, you know, I'm I'm probably 160 some odd pounds. And so uh, you're out there diving around, and people are throwing their ball 35, 40 miles an hour. That, that's a different type of uh, that's a different type of type of pain, if you will. And um, and and so I said, you know what? In, in track and field, I don't have to I don't have to worry about getting hit. <laughs> I can. I can run freely. I can do my thing. And I just so happen to be, you know, kind of good at it. So <laughs> I'm going to stick with this. But those, the goal ballers, man, I, a lot of respect for them. I, I actually went to a a game in 2016. Um, and shout out to Team USA. They did a phenomenal job out there. But, uh, yeah, they they are throwing that ball. and it's, And it's coming at you really fast. Yeah, but what you alluded to as well is it's almost the weight of a medicine ball to give some context yes. for people that aren't visually impaired. Yes. Obviously, able-sighted like myself, uh, I don't think most people would want a medicine ball being thrown at them if they can see it. Right. Let right. alone if they can't see it coming. Yeah, and 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 those guys are so talented. They have ways that they can throw the ball. And, and, and for those out there as well, the, the ball has uh, bells inside of it. So when they roll it, you can hear it. So these guys have different techniques where they can toss the ball and 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 like silence the bells inside it. Like it's it's just total wizard type stuff going on out there. And 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 they are 
pretty pretty amazing at, at what they can do on that on that goal ball court. Well, you you you're not without the, the your accomplishments as well, Rex. And I think I think read re, I think you were probably in awe with me reading back what you have accomplished. I think this is where I think we gloss over the you know the process because it's a given because we want to do it anyway. And I think when yeah. be it a podcast host, uh, somebody off the street reads back what you were able to achieve. Okay, yours is nearly twenty years. Uh, mine was only ten years, and you read. You probably achieve more in a life in in a, in a short career than most people would be able to realize in their entire life. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy to think about. Um, I'm, I'm certain, most certainly proud of of everything that I've been able to achieve, and, and happy that I've had the influences in my life to help me get to that point. But uh, as you mentioned, 2021 is next year. I'm I'm, I'm ready to do some more, <laughs> achieve some more. Well, I think it's the, your career is only as long as you want it to, to make it. And ultimately, yeah. you've been very, very successful. And ultimately, there's not very many things that's lower than silver. So I think ultimately, yeah. you're, you're a master of your craft. And, and, and I, I applaud you for that. And obviously, may that, may that ever continue. Yeah, I appreciate it. So talk to me about obviously your phrase, no need for sight when you have a vision. Cause I think that's, that's very, very clever. Yeah, it is a, I was, once I had graduated from college, I was in a space where trying to figure out what the next move was. I had just gotten back from Beijing and I wanted to, I wanted to start getting sponsors and just, I just wanted to expand my opportunities. And I had a, just a very like that, like that moment of, of nostalgia, if you will, um, where I'm just looking back at my life and like, man, this is, this is crazy. Over the past four years, you went from getting on your first international flight, going to compete, going to represent Team USA, being in a, uh, going through a team processing where for those who don't know, team processing is, is what we go through prior to leaving for the Paralympic games. And that's where you get, you get sized for your opening ceremonies gear, your closing ceremonies gear. You get all of your competition gear, literally bags and bags and bags and bags of clothes uh, of shoes and t-shirts, like just so much stuff. And, and to have experienced all of that, I couldn't help but think back to when I was eight years old. And I don't think that any of us would have ever drew up all of this stuff. And, and it just came to me one day. It was like, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it wasn't the sight that determined your success. It was, you having a vision and being able to do everything in your power to bring that into reality. And, and it's certainly not, you know, people hear that and they say that, Oh, you know, that's, that's, that's specific to someone who's blind or visually impaired, but nah, you know, nah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it relates to us all because 
sight is, is not the sole determining factor. It is our ability to, to see something more, to see beyond the horizon and, and be able to take the necessary steps to come up with a plan and, uh, you know, go after whatever that vision is relentlessly. Do you think it's pointing of the times that we're living in now then? more specifically Lex? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that um, there's, there's a lot going on, right? And, and specifically a lot going on within, within my country, within the United States. And, um, you know, I feel like a lot of times, like sight is, 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 is very much, you know, it's, it's surface level, it's temporary in comparison to vision. And so when you have a, an authentic vision, something that's real, something that's true, then it should, it should positively impact the, the, the hearts and minds of many. And also you understand that if it is something that is going to impact so many, then you have to understand that you, you don't have to do it alone and you can't do it alone. Um, so you, you look at it right now in terms of us trying to, get back on our feet with the, with the pandemic. Um, you know, we're, we're learning additional information, more information. I feel like each week. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a group effort at the end of the day, when you go outside, you know, wear your mask. If you go outside, make sure it's for things that you absolutely need. Um, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta get on the same page in a lot of ways so that we can, you know, return to, uh, normalcy, whatever that might look like post COVID-19. And and then obviously from you being a black individual as well, like, sorry, yeah. and, and obviously you can't see me, but me being, being mixed race and uh, living overseas, yeah. what is your, and this is uh, more curiosity more than, yeah. than anything. What is your take on black lives matter? Cause ultimately you won't deem it. You won't, actually deem anybody by obviously their, their, their color of their skin. Cause you can't, yeah. you can't see, you can't see any differently. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And I get that. And as an extension to that, you know, even though that, that is the case, I mean, of course, you know, I still have a, a general idea of, of, you know, people's, people's race. But I, I think the biggest thing as it relates to what's going on right now is just, I just want people to acknowledge the fact that, that it's an issue. It's a, it's a problem. It's been happening for years upon years upon years. And it's been, when you think about uh, sight and vision as relates to sight, it's been something that, that our country has ignored. And I, I had posted something on Twitter maybe a week or so ago. And, and someone was asking, how would you explain 2020 to someone who's blind and my response was well it's been my opportunity and my my chance to kind of sit back and say well in this whole scheme and this whole uh you know in this whole environment I can I can truly say that I wasn't the only one who was blind and our country has has lost sight of a lot of important issues over the years and we're seeing the consequences of of it running um, into these issues head on right now. And, um, it, it's unfortunate that it had to take precious lives to be taken away. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, 
Ahmaud Arbery. I mean, there, there's so many, so many that we hear about publicly, but then there's a lot that you don't hear about as well. And it's unfortunate that it has taken precious lives to be taken for us to get to this point. Um, but I definitely think that it is certainly a conversation that is happening right now, a conversation that needs to continue to happen. And, and, and for those who, um, you know, for people who are white, uh, you know, just, just stepping into the situation and, and understanding that, okay, we need to, we need to change some things. We need to adjust some things because there is systemic racism and oppression that looms. There is police brutality. There is disrespect and mistreatment within people of color. And, um, and it shouldn't be that way. I think there are, are definitely um, obstacles, unnecessary obstacles that are put in the path of, of black people. And, and um, you know, we should be able to op- occupy this space equally and safely, just like, just like the next person. So, all in all, I want people to acknowledge that it's an issue, have those conversations. It, it'll definitely be uncomfortable at times for sure. But if we can get on the same page, come to a so- solution and then put some uh, action behind, uh, behind the words that we speak, then um, I think that we can move into a better place. And lastly, um, you know, it's, it's not a fight just for, people of color to fight. I have a lot of friends who just so happen to be white and they don't subscribe to racism, nor do I believe that everyone in America who, who is white, um, I don't believe that everyone who is white does, but there are a lot of people who do. So circling back to the original point, um, this is a fight for, for everyone. This is it's like human rights type stuff. <laughs> like we, we should have the same, the same rights across the board. So um, we'll see how it all how it all plays out. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's definitely you know something that we need to address and, and take care of. And do you think up until that point, it was obviously you're like you quite like might like this one out of sight, so out of mind. Um, I think so. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, yes. I. I, I I think that, and, and certainly not to come across as like insensitive, but it's almost like the the pandemic COVID nineteen has kind of lent itself to um, what is going on in in our country in terms of Black Lives Matter because the the world is literally on pause in a lot of ways right now. People are at home; they are probably on social media more. They're not able to go into their offices. They're working from home. They probably get distracted here and there. So they're, they're hopping on their, their cell phones, getting on Instagram, getting on Facebook, Twitter, what have you. And, um, you know, when, when, when these things started happening, especially the George Floyd killing, that was spreading like wildfire. And, um, and given the fact that, everything is, is, is just basically on pause right now. I think people were able to see that and, and, and experience that. And, um, 
it's like, man, like what is going on out here? We gotta, we gotta make some changes. We gotta make it happen. Um, so it's definitely not out of, uh, it's, it's not out of sight right now. And it's, and it's definitely not out of mind. And do you think obviously with you and, and obviously you're a person of influence now, Lex, because uh, obviously the amount of accolades that you've achieved outside of sport, the list is endless. Uh, be it athletes with disability network, male male athlete of the year, obviously in 2014, uh, Greater Raleigh Sports Council Courage and Character Award recipient, the African American Association of Georgia Life Encour- uh, Encou- Encouragement Award, and the list goes on. Do you think obviously using yourself and obviously your platform as an athlete to be able to obviously advocate for change is a good one? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I come from Raleigh, North Carolina, and you know, Raleigh is a decent, decent size city, but I was, I was born in, in, uh, you know, in the LaGrange area, North Carolina, which is a smaller town. And so whenever I go back home and I kind of see the ins and outs, um, I think about my family or, or, you know, individuals who live in those types of areas where, you know, their voices may not be heard or they may not even, uh, you know, maybe they are able to speak, but it doesn't echo as loud as it could. And so I've been blessed to be able to to be in this position. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely feel obligated in a lot of ways to be able to bring those things into the forefront because a lot of times it's, it's, it's like if you see something going on that needs to change and you don't say anything about it, then you're okay with that continuing to happen. And... You know, I'm certainly not in agreement with, uh, you know, systemic racism and, and oppression and, and all of the other egregious acts against people of color. Um, I think that, you know, first and foremost, I'm, I'm, I feel very thankful and blessed that I haven't had, that I haven't had to endure any egregious acts to that capacity. Um, but I have a lot of friends who can't say the same. And so I do have, a platform and I, I do a lot of speaking more times than, than none is on motivational, inspirational type things. Um, but this is a topic that needs to be addressed as well. And I think when you circle back to the, to the inspiring part, if we all can get on the same page and, and really get to the point where we acknowledge and, and fight through this and, and get equality across the board. That is inspiring. Like that is, that is the world that, that we want to live in. And so we get to that point, that'll be the ultimate inspiration. How do we get onto that, that page though, Lex? Because ultimately, as you and I both know, athletes are kind of wired differently than most of people in society. It's, it's, we obviously have a common goal to represent irrespective of where we come from to represent our country because that is the pinnacle of irrespectively whatever sport you do in the Paralympic movement in the Olympic movement we're all going in the same direction wherever we come from so how do you think 
sport can facilitate society? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, you, you, you're an athlete. You know the power of, of sport. You know how it is. In London 2012, that was <clears> – <throat> I love London. And, and the reason being is because I saw that, that the U.K. totally is, is in tune – not only with the Olympic movement, but with the Paralympic movement. And the facilities were amazing. The crowds were amazing. I remember when I was down on the, on the competition field, I was competing in triple jump. I was trying to get myself pumped up, trying to get myself ready to go. I started clapping my hands and the entire 80, 85,000 person crowd that was there watching that they started clapping their hands in the exact same pattern that I was clapping my hands. And, you know, after a few seconds, I was like, Oh, let's go ready. And, you know, I put up my, my finger over my lips and and everyone, they, they got quiet. They understand how crucial it is for me to be able to hear my guy. And, and so when you think about a moment like that, that is like the, the essence of, of unity. And we were all on the same page just from that one moment in sport. And um, I just think that you know, it's, it's things like that, that that can change you know, people's minds. It can change their, their hearts, their, their thinking. Um, and... Um, in terms of, you know, how do we get everyone else on the same page? Listen, I, I feel like, you know, as amazing as, as people feel that we are, no matter the, the jaw-dropping performances you may see or, or the amazingness and, and inspiration that you see from us, at the end of the day, we are the same. We're all human beings. Whether you're an athlete or not, you go home, you may have family, you may have a job, you may have, you know, you have a community where you live, social interests that, that you are, uh, that are important to you. And, you know, we should be able to, to speak on those things. We should be able to, um, you know, to, to connect with each other, to, to make our environment better. Um, just for that simple fact, just because we are human beings. And, um, you know, I think that, I just think that that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. We can do that. We can get some legislation change to, to make this space safe and, and equal for people of color. And even, even more than that, we can change mindsets and, and hearts, then uh, then we we would most certainly be in a in a, in a certainly a better place. And I think that in a lot of ways, uh, what sport and music. I mean, those are two of the the, the biggest things that we all understand. You, you you can come from different backgrounds. You can be a different shade in terms of your race. You could speak a different language. Whatever. But those two things, sport and music, 
we all seem to get on the same page and all seem to understand when, when they're in the mix. I think you raise a good point there, Lax, in terms of London and how perceptions towards probably Paralympic sport changed overnight in terms of, well, for us, being a British athlete, I was fortunate to compete at home games and hopefully you get the opportunity to make Los yeah, Angeles. and then you, can experience, you can experience <laughs> that for yourself. Um, I think what you, you, you echoed there of 80,000 people clapping in unison with you probably comes down to ultimately the people are very much track and field people. They know what the, the, the clapping means for triple jumpers and, and long jumpers. And then when you say hush, even an able-bodied athlete will do that because it's, it's, it's time for me to go. I need to get really in the zone, concentrate on the stride pattern. So I hit, hit the, hit the jump exactly to get a white flag. And I think obviously we've still got a long way to go in terms of, uh, probably equality with disability because it's, it's probably, it's, it's equal on an equal footing to some extent. And obviously from yeah. the athlete perspective, we're no longer viewed, I would say in this country, I don't know if it's the same in the US, as you're no longer a disabled athlete, you're an athlete. And obviously I think we fought for that for so long to be, be viewed for our ability as opposed to the disability. Right. And, and obviously as the, as the, as a, your contemporary as an athlete, we will never compete against each other. I know that, but I don't see your disability any different than you see mine. Right. Metaphorically. Yeah. Because yeah. ultimately we are on the same path to glory. We want, we both want that elusive gold medal irrespective of the games. Uh, we, everybody is striving for the ultimate goal of, of, of winning and then going from there. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. But in terms of the, the, the one you said specifically, that's going to take time. That's, 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 that's the hard part about it. It's yeah. not going to happen overnight. For sure. And, and I mean, that's what a lot of things, right? I mean, anything worth having is worth, is worth fighting for. And it's going to take a, it's going to take time. It's going to take a collective effort. So, um, again, if people can just kind of, you know, get on the same page and understand that, Hey, this is, this is important. And, you know, as, as, as humans, this is what we need to work on so that we can make make this space uh, better for for all walks of life. And I, you know, I very much believe that. I don't know. One of my biggest goals is just to to leave this place better than what it was when I got here. And um, and I feel like you know we should always try to make situations and environments better so that the people who come after us will be able to enjoy it and they won't have to endure some of the obstacles and, and challenges that we may have uh, had to face on the journey. I think your book is, is very poignant then in terms of, you know, fly, find your own wings and soar above life's challenges. And I think you talked about obviously leaving a legacy in a way after you've gone. Yeah. 
or to me, I think that's an aspiration for everybody. Soar above life's challenges and actually look to uplift, be it your your contemporaries, your yeah. other people. And, and it's a, I'm sorry, not to cut you off. Yeah, certainly uplifting them, but just and then also letting them know that there is going to be some sort of challenge. There's going to be some sort of struggle, but even though that is the inevitable. Continue to fight, continue to work, continue to stay latched on to those who who care and appreciate you and who want to see you do better. And and you know, once you kind of um, come to that space, it's like, all right, well, I, yeah, whatever it is, I can spread my my arms and fly. But do you think, obviously, with you, do you ever think that you were held held back, or that your disability held you back, or do you think because your mother set you up in the right way. It wasn't really adversity. Um, man, that's a really good question. I think that there were certainly, there were challenges. I think once I transitioned into life without, without eyesight, fortunately I did have my mom who was a strong advocate for me. So from the time that I was eight, nine years old until until uh, I graduated from high school, she was very much involved in in every aspect of of life. And so the challenge for me during those years came more so from a social standpoint and, you know, like, like trying to explain to friends and people my my sight and what happened and now, why do your eyes look differently? And you know, just all those types of things. Um, but when it came to the ac- academic piece and the athletic piece, I was, uh, excuse me, I was, um, you know, I had people who were in my corner. And as they exposed me to those opportunities, it started changing my perception and my thinking. And that ultimately increased my my confidence so that moving forward, I was like, you know what, I like, I, I can totally do this. I, I can make this happen. Um, but I would say once I got into college, that is when the advocacy piece shifted. I mean, my, my mom was still involved to a certain degree. But once you go to college, you're, you're a young adult. You should be you know, handling a lot of those things on your own. And, and that's what I had to begin to do. I had to go and set up my classes. I had to learn how to get from classroom to classroom or from building to building, learn where the cafeterias were, learn how to you know, catch the bus to the other side of campus. And once I moved off of campus, I had to learn where the bus stop was and, and navigate to that to get to campus. I had to make friends. I had, you know, like you're, you're, you're living your life um in college and so i had to i had to make the switch um so from a social standpoint i feel like that's when i truly began to to mature because there was no way that i could hide behind the curtain if you will i couldn't hide behind my mom and let her do the talking i had to do the talking for myself and uh and yeah that college experience was it was pretty awesome helped me out a lot do you think that set you up to success on on the on the uh, on the athletic stage then? I think so. Um, it was almost like 
you know, another, I had fit another piece to the puzzle and the picture became that much more clear. Even though I had a strong foundation specifically with, you know, learning how to, knowing how to run, knowing how to lift weights. Uh, when I was in college, I ended up, I had to find someone to help me continue working out. I didn't have Brian Whitmer there anymore. Brian Whitmer was, was the, uh, he's the individual who introduced me to Paralympic sport. And uh, he was a high school teacher. Once I got to college, he wasn't there anymore. And he ended up moving, moving to Georgia. So now I had to, I had to continue to train and, and um, do that in hopes of making the Paralympic games team. I mean, that was my goal. So, um, you know, I, I reached out and, and found a student within the exercise and sports science department at East Carolina university. And we worked together. We, we wrote workouts and uh, strength and conditioning plans. And I was able to continue my training. But again, it was from that previous tutelage that I had from, from my mom and Brian Whitmer that, that really helped me to see that, okay, this is, this is possible. You can do this. And, and memory serves me, Lex, is the mascot of East Carolina a pirate? It is. Not a little bit yeah. ironic. Yep. Yep, for sure. So we've got a little bit of humor in there as well. Um, but do you think, obviously, you going back to the earlier days of you being an eight-year-old now, could you have ever foreseen you being as successful as you are now in 2020? Mm, that's a tough question. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. You, you, at eight years old, I was in, I was in and out of the hospital. Every, every month or so, I had to return to the hospital to get an operation. I was, I was able to see at certain points, and then the sight would decrease and get worse. It would get blurry, and, and each time, each visit, and, and operation, my sight would get even more blurry than what it was the time before. And it was just a lot going on during that space. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think that I would have never, I don't think that I would have ever imagined anything like this happening. And then just to, after the doctor says that, okay, you're going to be blind you go home, you go through your normal routine, you go to sleep at night, you wake up the next morning, you see a little less than what you do the day before. And, and then one day you wake up and you're not able to, to make out much of anything. Um, that was, that was really tough. So um, certainly would have never thought anything like this. And, and obviously it's very difficult to, to be able to describe it, Lex. Is it quite scary to ultimately, obviously that final day, and it's just pitch black, or or to that effect? Uh, I feel like, in all honesty, I think my journey specifically, since I was going, since that entire year was me in and out of the doctor's office and the hospital, a lot of me feels like subconsciously, I was already preparing for what that next step was going to be in 
what that reality would eventually be. And um, doesn't mean that it wasn't scary, but I, I, I certainly feel very strongly that I was already moving to that space, like mentally, like, okay, this is nothing, nothing's changed. Nothing is changing. Those first few operations, like the first two or three, you're optimistic and you're saying that, oh, okay, wow, man, this is, this is going to work. This is going to happen. You move into the fifth or sixth one, then it's, okay, I've done this before. Maybe this is going to help. You move into the eighth, ninth, and tenth operation, then it's almost like, okay, been here, done that. Didn't work the times before. Probably won't work this time. And then you finally get the verdict from the doctor and you, you, you're basically like, I, I kind of, I kind of saw this coming. No pun intended. But how do you pick yourself up from that, Lex? Because ultimately it is quite a pessimistic route, obviously from the very, you know, first, second or third, quite optimistic and very uh, positive thinking to ultimately hmm, these probably won't work out, which is obviously very negative in people's perceptions of it. How do you obviously pick yourself up from that? Well, I think first and foremost, man, kids are, kids are pretty, Amazing. They're remarkable in their, their thinking, how they operate, how they move, how they just, they're just totally resilient. And, and, and I, I say that just based off of the, the work and connection, um, that I have with different organizations and, and mentorship, et cetera. And so, um, you know, they just kind of, they just kind of pick it up and, and, and keep it moving. I think that also has a lot to do with, the influences that are that are in their life and you know I'm, I'm beating a dead horse when I say you know my mom she was really huge a really huge influence for me I have my grandmother well as well I had so many different people in, in my life who were able to get me out of that that dark space if you will and I definitely remember times where my mom would she would get on me for you know, holding my head down and um you know, not really, uh, you know, like, come on, like there's, there's still life to live at the end of the day. And I love to hear her tell this story of when she was in our living room and I guess she was like meditating or praying or something. And I ran up to her, I run up to her and I said, Hey mom, I need to, I need to learn how to read dots. And she said that was a huge weight off her shoulder because that let her know that, okay, my son, he gets it. And he understands that this is, this is reality moving forward. And I think that's when she decided to devote all of her time and energy into finding all of the resources, tools, programs, people, whoever she could find, whatever she could find um, that could you know, help and sh- help shape and mold me into a, you know, well-rounded human being. And I had, 
so many, so many people, other blind and visually impaired people who helped, people who didn't have any any sort of visual impairment helped as well. I had so many, so much uh, mentoring from from so many different people. And between all of those perspectives and minds and viewpoints, um, just exposed me to a lot of things that I feel like helped me climb out of that that uh, that dark space and, and ultimately helped me see that okay, you can occupy the space and you can contribute to the world just like just like the next person, and it doesn't matter that you're blind. So let me ask you this then: How is life? change for you during this pandemic from going from obviously not knowing if Tokyo was going to happen this year or next to how your training has evolved um well first and foremost um I train with a guide so given the fact that we're not able to to you know be closely connected um you know that's that's definitely altered training a bit i'm with my my guide training alongside him every single day basically and it's been it's been tough not not having that opportunity not having that that chance i mean we're we're essentially like brothers my guy wesley williams we've been working together since 2007 and um you know, it's been a, a phenomenal journey, ups and downs and wins and, and, you know, challenging moments, all of those types of things. And so now when everything transpired with the uh, coronavirus, you know, I just can't get out there and train the way I normally would. I've just kind of been training here in my place, um, getting out every now and then on the on the track. Um, to get some some very light workouts in, but I've been having to get very creative out there. So, for example, I have a you know I have my my, my iPhone and a, a Bluetooth speaker, and I walk down to an open space, use my cane to kind of clear out a really big, really big piece of uh, um, you know, open area, and I'll set my Bluetooth speaker up turn on the Drake radio or Kanye West radio, somebody blasting music. And so that'll give me a, I'll put it maybe 25, 30 meters away. And that'll give me an idea of how much space I have to roam around. And my starting point, I may have my, my backpack or, or some sort of tactile indicator that lets me know, okay, this is where you need to start. And uh, I'll do my drills. I'll do some, some uh, accelerations and things like that, but um, definitely have had to be creative, have had to think out of the box and do things differently, but um, we're slowly starting to transition to the point where we can get back out there successfully, but um, got to go through the necessary steps so that we can do it safely and, and be able to get back on the road to Tokyo. But the, the awesome thing is that we have, we have, a, a decent amount of time to get ready. So um, as long as I can stay in some sort of shape at this point, that's the main thing. And then once we're able to get back out there uh, fully, then 
I'll be able to hit it hard like I normally would. So my penultimate question to you, Alex, on, on before we wrap up the the episode, is if you had to sit with, down with any athlete, dead or alive, who would that be and why? Any athlete, dead or alive, man, that is a hard question. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say John Carlos, John Carlos, 200 meter bronze medalist, 1968, Mexico City. And uh, we recently were on a podcast or a panel together talking about mentorship and, and activism. And people like Dr. Carlos, man, you just have to sit there, listen and soak up all of the knowledge, all of the stories, all of the advice, the guidance. He is a wealth of, of knowledge. And so when you think about the current climate within the United States, and Black Lives Matter. All I could do was was sit there and marvel at the things that he had to say. And and I was a participant on the panel. And I'm sitting here thinking like, man, what I have to say is is nothing, nothing like as 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 poignant and and impactful as as what he has to say it. And of course, I mean, we're, we're our own worst critics. Um, so, so I hope that I added some value to the conversation, but to my point, someone like him, I mean, he's seen a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. And, um, and I think moving forward, it's like, I want to learn as much as possible. I want him to pass me figuratively speaking the baton so that, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, I can continue to to run this race and and make the world and, and this country a you know better space. And my final question before we wrap up the episode, then Lex, if you have to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Hmm. I'm going to say Oh, this is a hard one. Um I'm a still a I'm a still a a sentence from my book fly and and it's from the chapter entitled No Need for Sight when you have a vision and at the end I basically say When we leave this earth, our sight is gone, but our, our vision can live forever. That's a good one. That's a good one to leave on. So once again, Lex, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete podcast. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure's been all mine. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Lex and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Lex Gillette. So that's L-E-X-G-I-L-L-E-T-T-E and as always, James O. Roberts 11. So that's J-A-M-E-S, the letter O-R-O-B-E-R-T-S and the number 11. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. 
And in addition, if you had any follow-up questions, don't hesitate to shoot them over as well. And finally, don't forget to check his website out. That's lexgillette.com. So that's L-E-X-G-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.com. And as always, don't forget to check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk. So that's F-I-T-A-M-P-U-T-E-E.co.uk and click on the tab resources. But not forgetting, I've also started a new Facebook group, especially for the podcast, which you can find by typing in The Mindset Athlete. And last but not least, and not forgetting, I've also rebranded my other Facebook group to AIM 24-7 Fat Loss Support Group. So come and check out the AIM tribe. The links will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category General. So once again... Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.